Hey everybody! Hi there, welcome back to Planet and God. Yep, so we're on chapter 16 of Matthew. Yep, Matthew 16, our Gospel Reading Challenge. Go read it if you haven't, and then come back. If you have, read it, stay tuned, and we will dive right in. Alright, so we want to start with, I broke the first section up um, with verses 1 through 4. I did the same. Oh, well, sweet. Yep, so this is the second illusion of the sign of Jonah being a reference to his death and resurrection. He did this in Matthew chapter 12. Um, and as, again, as Jonah spent three days in the belly of the fish, so would Jesus spend three days in the grave. These verses actually made me think of Lazarus and the rich man, which comes from Luke 16, 19 through 31. Mm-hmm where the rich man asked that Lazarus get sent back from the dead to tell the rich man's family, but they wouldn't have believed, just like in these verses, they wouldn't have believed a sign Jesus was already doing so right. many signs and wonders, right? Yeah. So that was why it made me think of that, because the rich man had asked to, you know, send someone back for his family. Right. Um, I don't know why it made me think no, of that, it, but it... It goes to show the heart of the scribes and Pharisees. They don't care. Right. Just like the rich man and his family, they, they, they had the prophets. Care. Right. And they, you know, he, they didn't care either. Right. Right. It's a heart matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. Jesus has done so many signs already. And it's a choice, right? Believing right. is a choice. And so there's, it's a heart matter, but you have to choose it. Yep. Like, yep. So, so yeah, it made me think of that. Then I asked the question, okay, well, what sign did Jonah leave? And then I think that Jonah spoke to the people of Nineveh and told them to repent, right? Or they would be destroyed. So this is what Jesus is now doing for that generation. You know, he's announcing to them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Whereas, well, that, now it's he's repent because judgment is at hand. Well, right, but you get what I'm yeah. saying. Like, so that, I saw that, like, the sign that Jonah left was that, you know, he was announcing, same thing, judgment. Yeah. So, and now Jesus saying, Jesus is saying, um, you know, repent right. for the judgment is coming. Yep. Um, so anyway, that was uh, my little thoughts on that. There you go. But. Is that all you had for one yeah, for oh, yeah. once okay, for and that gets us into verses five through twelve. <laughs> me too. Wow. I know. Um, it seems to me it seems almost like Jesus is a little annoyed with the disciples because they're asking him about bread and not having any bread, and Jesus is like reminding them that that's okay. He's provided them for the in the past. He will provide for them in the future. The leaven that he's referring to is the doctrine of the Sadducees and Pharisees, that being the oral law. And that... Well, it just goes to show, too, that, like, if he was, you know, a little... Right. He's at least patient. He is patient. (laughs) And I have to think that, like, I'm sure that I annoy God sometimes, and I'm so glad that he is patient because, you know... Yep. And then for, like, a little personal application here... Uh, really, the question being, do we allow the traditions of man to interfere with our relationship with God? Yeah, I my takeaway was uh, we have to beware of people in our current time who give false doctrine. Yep, definitely. So, I thought that was important. Yep. Um, I had a question. I don't know if you can answer it. Uh, so, verse 14, they talk about... Um, 
John the Baptist, which I, I get that. Elijah, I get that. Uh, why Jeremiah? Just because they're making reference to Jesus as being possibly a, just a great prophet in general. So Jeremiah was considered amongst John the Baptist and Elijah? Yes, just being a great prophet. Because Jeremiah, um, he brought in, he was a, a prophet that brought in different calamities against Judah. Okay. I just didn't know if there was yeah. like... So really what, the, what they're saying is that the people say that Jesus is some kind of a great prophet. Yeah. That's what most of the people are saying. Um, this section, verses 13 through 20, which I think is the a good bulk of it here. Um, I have a lot of notes here because this is a very... That's good because I have less notes here. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, this is a very um, interesting passage that balks against Roman Catholicism. Against it, not for it, sorry. Um, you note the location there in Caesarea Philippi. This is 25 miles north of Galilee, outside of Jewish territory. I'm going to pull up a map here. Hopefully you're seeing it. Um, the map, the where they're at, is this area sits at the foot of Mount Hermon, which is has two peaks, um, one peak being 9,000 feet high, and it's the highest peak in Israel. And so the city is built against the cliff of this of this mountain, and there's a river that passed through it. Today the river is called the Bayanus, and it's much smaller than what it used to be. Uh, back a few centuries ago, there was an earthquake that caused the main water source to move, to be moved. And so the river flows through a cave and comes out in that area. Now, in that area, the Romans had a cult to this god they called Pan. And this is the area where Pan was worshipped. There's, not, there's notches in the cliffs where statues of Pan were laid out. And so when Jesus asked these two questions... Um, he's asking them in this location. It's a very, the location is key to how Jesus responds to Peter after Peter gives his response. So you have the first question, who do people say that I am? They say that he's a prophet of sorts. The second question, the Greek is very emphatic about it, getting to the heart of who the disciples say. The Greek would read, but you, who do you say that I am? And Peter's answer is similar. He responds emphatically, you are the Messiah, the son of the living one. Right? So Peter shows that he picked up on previous lessons, most likely the walking on the water, right? That he is the son of God. He's listened to. And he's learned not to listen to the leaven, the doctrine of the Pharisees. And so, Jesus, verse 18, Jesus' response, um, the Roman Catholic Church would use this, Jesus' response, to show Pope, the succession of the Pope, that it started with Peter. But when you look into the Greek, and we're going to pull the Greek text up here so that you can see it, is that that's not what happened, right? There's two words 
used here, two different Greek words that are used here. There's Petros, which is used for Peter, that means a small stone or pebble. Petros is a masculine singular noun referring to a male name. Then you have the rock, which is Petra, that be referring to a massive cliff, a massive rock, big rock, right? That's a feminine singular noun. So they're two different genders. That means in the Greek that they can't refer to the same thing. They're showing a contrast between the two, right? And so Jesus is using these objects and the area that they're in to show the difference between Peter's confession and what the church is built on, the foundation of the church, right? The area that they're in, it's in, the, it's in a cleft where there's a river, where there's rocks and pebbles and huge stones. On Peter, Petros, on this little pebble, right? Jesus could have even picked up a little pebble. You are Petros, this little pebble. And on this rock, your statement that I am the Son of God, will my church be built? Yeah, I think what's important to note is that you have to read it within its context. Um, And so he's referring to what he just said previously. He is. And so when Jesus says, Mm -hmm. on this I will build my church, he is referring to the statement that Peter made not Peter himself. Well, who is then referring to Jesus Christ. Right. So. And then um, when he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail it against it, again, this goes back to knowing the location of where they're talking. The On the pathway to Caesarea Philippi, there is a pagan location known as the gates of hell. So they could have walked recently walked past it or stopped at it, it's very likely, right? Um, The phrase, the gates of hell, is a common (coughs) idiom for physical death. So the point that Jesus is making with that is that even the physical death of of the disciples will not stop the church from continuing. And then verse 19, when you say, and when Jesus, he's talking to Peter now, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Um, another verse that when taken out of context is used poorly for poor theology. However, looking at the context, Jesus just spoke about building his church. And now he's giving Peter keys or authority. Keys represent authority over the kingdom of heaven. The keys that he's giving Peter is in reference to the special role Peter plays in the book of Acts, right? To Peter is given the special role to open the kingdom of heaven to the people groups. Well, right, doesn't he, he opens up the Holy Spirit, basically. Yes, he opens up the Holy Spirit. I think it's in reference to that, It is, that is exactly what it's in reference to. So throughout the Bible, majority of the Bible, there's two main people groups, Jews and Gentiles. The book of Ezra gives us three people groups, Jews, Gentiles, and Samaritans. Okay, so in the book of Acts, Peter opens up the kingdom of heaven, the Holy Spirit, to three people groups. In Acts chapter 2, he opens it up for the Jews, so that Jews can become part of the church. In Acts chapter 8, he opens it up for the Samaritans. 
You have Philip who's teaching in Samaria, but they don't receive the Holy Spirit until Peter comes and opens the Holy Spirit for them. And then in Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to Cornelius, a Gentile, and opens the door of the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles. And at that moment, their eyes are open. Once these doors are open, once the Holy Spirit has been let out by Peter, they stay open. They can't be closed again. Therefore, that's the special role that Peter plays in the church. That's, that's it. He doesn't set up the Roman Catholic Church. He doesn't become the first pope. That's his special role right there. Yeah, and I would think, too, that if he, if he did, why would that not be noted in the scriptures? Right. Like, plainly. Exactly. <laughs> so, that's just my thoughts. Yeah. It. So, okay, so from there... From there, I go on to uh, verses 21 through 23, where Jesus starts instructing his disciples on his death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah, I just noted that, like, I think Jesus is preparing them. He does. Right? And we talked about yep. that, I think, in previous chapters. Yep. Well, this, preparation. this is the first official one. The first time he's officially preparing them, he's plainly talking about the right. death. Previously, he was alluding to it with the sign of Jonah, right? But now he's plainly talking. This is the first of four instances that he does that. And um, he only does this after their confession of faith. After Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now he's going to explain to them how he will die, be buried, but raised again on the third day. And Peter's response just kind of showing that there's still partial blindness on him. Right? It shows that he has an understanding of the Messiah, but he still hopes for the messianic kingdom. Right. He has an understanding of who the Messiah is, but he's still hoping for the same thing that the Jewish leadership was hoping for. And then he tells them to do four things. He tells them that the Messiah must do four things. That the Messiah must go to Jerusalem, suffer at the hands of the chief priests and scribes, be killed, and then raped on the third day. Yeah, that's all I have. Okay. And then uh, <laughs> verses 24 through 26 is another section for major personal application. Um, that being that salvation only requires one to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Discipleship, however, requires more. And that believers should choose to disciple to gain spiritual safety, spiritual riches, spiritual maturity. I think, too, most people who come to the Lord um, usually have that desire. Yeah, So they do. Um, and then verses 27 through 28. Um, so, I, Larry here, whatever, Larryism, um, chapter verses, chapter and verse breaks are not inspired because Larry here personally would end chapter 16 at verse 26. I personally see verses 27 and 28. Uh, as being part of chapter 17 because they are a prophecy that is then fulfilled um, in chapter 17. So are we going to wait and talk on that in 17? I think let's wait and talk on those in the next video. <laughs> Alrighty. So I think that wraps up 
chapter 16. That does wrap up chapter 16. So we will catch you in the next one for chapter 17, well, 1627 through the whole of 17. Sounds good. All right. See ya. Bye.